Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. couple things I feel like the Lord is doing individually this year. One of those that I feel like is stirring is that there are those you've been through this year has been a year of refinement. 2019 has been a year of refinement. The Lord's been refining you. He's been building out of the ash heap and establishing who you are. And in 2020, the, the purpose in that is so that in this coming year, you can begin to walk in the authority that he's called you to and engage with what he's called you to. So two things, they're engaging and recognizing the authority that God's placed on your life. I think those things are absolutely um, imperative to what's going to take place this year. That's individually. I think... Um, there, there are things I want to say for some in the room, the Lord has called you. He's put his hand on your life, um, for this season and, and you've held back in the past. You've, you've kind of hunkered down and went into self-preservation mode out of fear or whatever has kept you, whatever that, whatever that issue is, fear, rejection, it's all, it's, it's all of the enemy, right? It's, it's, that's not the plan of God for your life. He's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You, you're not called to operate in that. And, and so this year, as you're stepping into 2020, it's time to step out of that. Amen? Yes. It's time to step out of those things that have held you back and to step in to what God's called you to. Um, so I, I sense a deepening intimacy with God that's all part of this, um, going deeper in, in your study, in your devotion, your worship, all of those things, but recognizing who God's called you to be, walking in that authority, walking in, in the commission that he's placed on your life, individually, corporately. There are, there are two things, and, and you're going to be hearing more about this in the coming weeks, but there are two things that I really believe with everything in me that we are embarking on this year in 2020. One of those is that it is a supernatural harvest of souls. And everybody should have just shouted like they were shouting on old time power. Look what the Lord's done. I, I believe that we are going to see a supernatural harvest of souls this year. If that doesn't get you excited... There's a problem. <laughs> if you can't muster an amen for that, and, and there's a problem. So let's, let's give you one more time just to, just to catch up with where we're at. In case you needed, I believe that there's coming this year a supernatural harvest of souls. Thank you. I realize that that's a passion, but sometimes we've got to vocalize what, what God is stirring and so, so there's, there's a part of that. As you look at Joshua, and this, this story of Joshua, you know, for those who have been around, 
um, the Lord started speaking to our, our staff, our leadership back in March about this, this word, that it was time to cross over from the river's edge. And, and back, in, back in March of this year, we, we felt the Lord stirring. And, and some of you remember the story. We had gone to a, a conference, and um, the, really at the end of the conference, we all sat around the table scratching our heads saying, what did we walk away with from this conference? And we were all a little, you know, well, there's nothing really major. And on the way home, we're driving home, and I'm thinking, God, why did you bring us all the way out here for us to leave with really nothing significant? And the Lord began to speak to me on that drive home about this word, crossing the water's edge and, and, and from the water's side, and Joshua crossing out and leading the people over into their promised land. And, and as we were doing that, we went under a bridge, and I'm not into all the you can ask my wife. I'm not into all the, I'm, I'm going to be the biggest skeptic, you know, and uh, I'm going to approach things. I tend to approach things with skepticism first. I, that's just honesty. And so I'm not one to just jump at a color or a name or this or that sign or whatever. I'm like, okay, that's great. But God, I want it in your word. Give me the, give me the word, give me the, the scripture for this. And I want the hardcore scripture. And so God's speaking to me about this and giving me the scripture, and as he's giving me the scripture, I go under a bridge that has the name Worthington. The street name is Worthington, which the, the interpretation of that is crossing from the water's edge. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so here we go. And uh, just it was just a little kiss in, in the story of what God was unfolding to us. As we began to dive into that and into the story of Joshua, as they crossed over in Joshua, there was a couple things that happened. The first thing is that Rahab, how many of you remember Rahab? She was a what? She was a prostitute. And, and God saved her when the Jericho walls fell. God saved her because she had taken care of the spies. Not only did he save her, but Rahab became part of the lineage of Christ. Because of that moment... She became part of, of divine lineage. And so one of the things that I, I feel strongly about that God's going to be doing this year is, is an intentional effort. You're going to be hearing more about this in the coming weeks, but rescuing the Rahabs. Who are those who are lost, who are in, within Jericho's walls? They don't even know they're lost. They don't even know that, they're, that their city's getting ready to collapse on them. They don't even know that, that the structures that surround them are getting ready to fall in on them. And God has sent us like spies into, the, into that land to rescue those people. There are people all around you right now. There are people all around you who God has placed you there uh, as, as an agent of his grace to bring rescue and redemption to those people. And so we're, I believe this year we're going to engage on a supernatural journey of a harvest of souls. I, I, I am believing that over the next three years, we're going to see over 2,000 decisions for Christ. I believe that. And we're, we're going to do our best to, to track those and to not just for the sake of having numbers on a wall, but, but we want to know that you are engaging in soul winning. And so over the course of the next year, we have intentional, uh, every quarter, there's an intentional outreach. We do monthly Night of Hope. That's personal evangelism right there. Great opportunity for you to engage in personal evangelism. Wow. I mean, the fish 
If there's ever an opportunity for fish to jump in the boat, it's night of hope. You don't have to go find them. They're coming in our front door. I, I wish somebody would help me out this morning. The, the lost, the hurting, the broken, the Rahabs are coming in our front door. And if we're not careful, we'll miss an opportunity every month, 300, 400 people to encounter not just a handout. That's not why we started Night of Hope. It's not just a handout. It's not just a touch service. It's for people to encounter Christ. I'm glad Rosemary's with me. Amen. <laughs> I, need, I need some people to shout with me on this. There, this is an opportunity every month for them to encounter Christ. And I, I, I hope you're engaged with Night of Hope. If you're not already, uh, go ahead and get engaged. So that's every month. Every, we're, uh, every month we have our um, evangelism team that's going to be going out. Veronica's organizing our 2020 efforts with evangelism. And so every, every month things are going to be happening, whether it's going out doing miracle evangelism, going to the nursing homes, going to the hospital. Every month something's going to be happening. Is it the third Saturday, fourth Saturday? When is it? Do you all know? We haven't said it yet. It starts, we'll start it officially in March, but it will be a, every Saturday on a particular Saturday. Um, so that's coming. What did I do? Every month, sorry, help me out. Yeah, every month on a particular Saturday. Thank you. So that's coming. And then um, every quarter, there's, there's an outreach happening. We've got Easter. So we're, we're already revving up for our Easter egg outreach coming in uh, April. It's the first, I think it's the first Sunday in April. We're, we're revving up for that. You're going to hear more about that. We've got um, in summer, we're doing a back-to-school uh, supply outreach. We're already gearing up. Mandy's already reaching out, making contacts on getting school supplies. We've got, um, what's fall? Anyway, y'all will get this in the next week. I'm just trying to give, give you a preview. And then, oh, in December, I can't wait for December. <laughs> I can't wait. We are, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Jen, uh, Jen's, Jen's getting nervous on me because Jen's leading this. So, so we, no, I got to tell you, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm going to give you a sneak peek. I'm just going to give you a sneak peek because this is awesome. Y'all want to know this. In December, instead of doing our traditional holiday schedule, um, we are going to turn our church into Bethlehem. So um, I want you to get ready because we need everybody involved. It's going to be a year-long preparation process. Jen's, Jen's going sh because she's, she's organizing her team and uh, creating this as we speak. We've already done walkthroughs of the building, mapping out what's going to be where and how we're going to do it and everything. It's going to be awesome. But this whole first floor is going to become Bethlehem. And um, our community will be able to walk through, come through in tour groups and walk through and get the gospel presentation, the Christmas story from scene to scene. Y'all are going to be the actors. Y'all are going to be the people making it happen. And then when they get to the end, uh, which I think the end is in here, wherever it is, they're going to they're gonna see Simeon and Anna presenting Jesus at the temple and, and preaching the gospel. So, so there's, there's going to... 
there's going to be a, there's going to be a, yes. <laughs> so it's going to be a great, great year of outreach. So the outreach and evangelism, and then the second component of this is that I, I believe that the Jericho walls are coming down corporately. Amen. Amen. The obstacles that have been a blockade to you personally and the, the blockages to our church from advancing are coming down. And um, I, don't, I don't mean that. That's not just wishful thinking. I believe that. I believe that's the word of the Lord that we're crossing over and we're going to conquer. And uh, I, I'm so excited about that. You're going to hear more about that. But one of, one of our greatest obstacles, I'll tell you now, some of you have already heard this, one of our greatest obstacles is, is, the, is the mortgage that, that's hanging over our church. And so that, that, that dollar figure you'll get in, in a couple weeks. But, but if we can get rid of that, eliminate that debt, Do y'all know what? Oh, <laughs> anyway, the, so I'm I'm looking forward to all that God's going to do, but I also believe not only corporately but individually, God wants to bring you into a place of breakthrough this year. And so, as you walk out into breakthrough, what do you need? What are the what are the steps? What are the keys? I, I don't want to say that there's a formula to this. Uh, but, but there are some key elements that we see here in the story of Joshua that are absolutely imperative. And it's time to wrap up. So, no, <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the keys. And then over the next five weeks, I'm going to preach on them. I'm going to give you some today. But over the next few weeks, I'm going to preach on these keys and help you walk into what God's called you to. Number one, we see here, if we read Joshua 1, let's go ahead and read it. Joshua 1, 6 says, be strong and courageous. I love this. Everybody say that. Be strong, Be strong and courageous. courageous. That's powerful. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And he says that again, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which, my, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. So there's a key here. If you want success wherever you go, he's saying be strong and courageous. Have the word of God. We're going to talk about all this. Verse 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, promise, but there's a prerequisite. Did you catch that? There's a promise for provision. There's a promise for success, but you have to obey. There has to be, there's a prerequisite to this. The, the promise has been made accessible. The blessing has been made accessible. The prosperity has been made accessible. But you've got to do, you've got to do this. And we're going to talk about these things. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Again, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Five things that we find here in this passage of Scripture about moving forward into the prosperity of God, the blessing of God. One, he says it three times, be strong and courageous. Two, obey the word of God. Three, he says, align your thoughts and your talk with the word of God. Fourthly, he says, walk in his presence. And fifthly, prepare your provisions to cross over, which we'll get to that 
We didn't read that today, but Joshua tells the people, prepare your provisions to cross over. Five things we're going to take a look at over the next couple of weeks. But, but I want to start today on being strong and courageous. That word strong means to overcome in the Hebrew. It means to overcome, to strengthen, or to make firm. The word courageous in the Hebrew means to be brave, be determined, make alert, make ready, to fortify. In other words, what, what God is telling Joshua in light of where you're headed... There's going to be some obstacles that you're going to face. Jericho is right across the river. There are things that I want to bring you into. There's a promise that I'm bringing you into. But in light of the circumstances that you're going to face, I need you to know from the outset of this journey, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. And I want to say to you, there are things that God is calling you into in this year in your life that are new territories for you. You've never been there. You don't know what they look like. The spies have gone out, but you've never seen them yourself. This is all new territory. You've heard about it. You've heard the promises, but now God's calling you to cross into it, to walk into it yourself. And and I want to say to you, like God told Joshua, you've got to be strong and courageous. You've got to make yourself fortified. You've got to establish yourself and be determined I'm not giving up. No matter what happens, no matter what we see, no matter what we face, whether it's giants in the land or, or uh, a Jericho wall, no matter what comes our way, this promise is ours. We're going to be strong and steadfast on the Word of God. And, and I want to say to Celebration Church, not just individually, but corporately, I want to say to each one of us that we are standing on the Word of God. We are strong and courageous on his word and his promise for our church. That we have been called as a, as a light on North Hill. He has set us as a light on a hill. He has called us to be a, a church that is spirit-filled, uh, revival church full of the power and the presence of God. That's who we are, and we're not changing it. That's what God's called us to be, and we're going to walk in in the blessing and the promise of God. We're going to stand on his word and we're going to be strong and courageous doing it. No matter who comes or what comes our way, no matter what distraction or obstacle, God says be strong and courageous. In order to be strong and courageous, there are a couple things we have to recognize. One, we are fortified. We are, we are, we are uh, standing determined against the battle because we've been given spiritual weapons. We're not fighting with weapons that are carnal. We're not fighting with weapons that are man-empowered. Second Corinthians says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so our weapons that we've been given are spiritual. They're God-empowered weapons. We're dependent upon God for our weapons to work. We can't do this in the natural strength. We can't walk into the promise that God has laid out before us without his divine strength. The things that God's called you to, you can't do it in your own strength. The things that God wants you to walk into, you can't do it in your own power. You have to be absolutely dependent upon him. 
What's God calling you to? What, what is he stirring in your heart this year? Understand that the weapons that he's given to you are not carnal. This is what the Passion Translation says. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. God is giving you divine weapons. Secondly, we recognize that our enemy that we're warring against is an invisible enemy. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against bank accounts. We're not wrestling against things in the natural. When God calls you to step into his promise, he doesn't take into consideration how much money you have. He's not taking into consideration the skill that you have. He is calling you to walk in faith into the promises he's called you to. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. God has assured you a victory. Before they ever crossed into the promised land, before they ever faced their Jericho, before they ever faced the giants, God promised them victory. But you and I have to be stewards of the victory that God's promised. We have to be stewards of what God has given to us. How do we steward that freedom? How do we steward that victory? It means that we can't take it for granted. We have to take, uh, take hold, seize hold of every opportunity that God has given to us. That's using the weapons that God's already given. What are those? Your prayer life. Your worship. The word of God, the authorities placed on your life. Use what God has given you to you. Take, take hold of what God has already released into your life. Does anybody hear me this morning? That's how you're going to cross in and maintain your freedom. It's not some great big new revelation. You know, I think at the start of a new year, everybody's wanting the next best revelation. Every, you know, you get all these preachers on TV who want to outdo the next with the next big revelation and try to, you know, I got this and I got that. Well, mine's better than this. And you get everybody trying to outdo one another. There's no new revelation. It's, it's all right there. We hear it differently. We see it differently. God gives us a different vantage point of perspective on it. We just got to get into the word, get into what he's already given you. Worship, pray, intercede, be here at 9 a.m. for prayer and communion. We have a great time. If that, that could be a starting point for your prayer life. It shouldn't be the, the end all. That shouldn't be the only time you pray is at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Just like 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning isn't the only time you worship. I know I'm telling you things that you already know, but, but I, I just have to remind you that the weapons of your warfare and the victory over your invisible enemy has been given, and you just got to use them. You just got to be stewards of what God has already released into your life. I, if there's anything that I could challenge you in, as we cross in, and, and, and God's telling Joshua to be strong and courageous... 
I would say be strong and courageous and take hold of the weapons that God's given you. Be strong and courageous as you face invisible enemies and say, God's already given me victory over this situation. Why am I worried? Why am I fearful? You know, why, why soul, are you downcast? You've already been given victory over this situation. As God's calling you to walk into a new promise, everything that you have need of to walk into that has been granted. God, every spiritual blessing, my God, has been made available to you. James says that he is the father of every good and perfect gift whom there is no shadow of turning. Every gift, everything that you have need of is right within your grasp if you will steward what God's granted. He's given all that you need. My God, you've got the Holy Ghost living on the inside. I know this isn't new, but I just want to I wanna tell you again. <clears throat> I want to tell you again and again that everything that you need to be, be victorious this year is in your hands. God has made them accessible. It means that you've got to use and engage with what God's given you. You've got to engage with what God's given you. The moment that you get your eyes on your enemy, I think it's a good thing that our enemy is invisible. Because what you get your eyes on, what you get focused on, you begin to worship that. And what you worship, you become. Set your eyes on things above. Stop looking at all this, all in the natural. Set your eyes on things above. Get your focus on heavenly things. The minute that you disengage with heaven, the minute that your eyes get shifted off of, of heavenly things, and you stop engaging with the commission that's on your life, you start picking up the old weapons. You start picking up the old ideas. You start picking up the old ways of doing things. Well, I'm going to worry. I'm going to be fearful. I'm going to be anxious. And you start picking up those old patterns because your eyes don't see the heavenly call. Your eyes are on the natural. And so this year, if there's anything that you need to do, steward the freedom that you've been given. Keep your eyes set on things above. Keep your eyes on the Father of lights, whom every good and perfect gift is coming. He's made all these things. Just keep your eyes set on things above. Don't get distracted by the things in the natural. <clears throat> you're enlisted to, you're called to enlist others in this call. 1 Timothy 1.18 says, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. You're warring, you're engaging, and you're, in called, you're called to enlist others. I love what Paul tells Timothy here concerning the prophecies previously made. What has God spoken over your life? The prophecies that have been made concerning you. You take a look at Timothy's life and how God called him out. God's called each of us out. Each of us have a story. Each of us, there's a word from the Lord that God has called you out. You have a story. You have a word from the Lord. Are you warring? 
Are you fighting, holding on to that, what God has called you? Or have you allowed the enemy to tell you who you're not? You can, you can stay holding on to who God's called you, or you can listen to what the enemy's told you you're not. I want to hear what God says about me. I want to stay engaged in the fight according to what God has said about me. Does anybody hear me this morning? I think one of our greatest traps as we step into the promised land is we go back to the Israelites leaving Egypt. And what were they doing? Griping and complaining. We would have been better in Egypt. Talking about who they weren't, what they lacked. God's left us out here high and dry. Instead of viewing the the, the hundreds of years of what God had spoken concerning his people. For 400 years, promise of deliverance. And now deliverance was upon them. The promise was just in front of them. Go back to the, the, the Israelites with Moses at the same spot when the spies went out and spied the land. They, they were within reach of taking hold of the promise. But they allowed the negative, the, the, the fear, the anxiety, all of those things who were not to get their eyes off of what God had called them to be. Timothy. War concerning those things and enlist others. Bring others along with you. What is the greatest delight to bring others in, into this delight in God with you? To do it together. To find others also. Paul told Timothy to find faithful men. Teach others also. So we're enlisting others into this call. This is a fight of faith. We're not fighting According to our flesh, we're, fly, we're fighting a, we're, that's a tongue twister, fighting a fight of faith. Wow. First Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. I like how the message puts it. It says, run hard and fast in faith. Seize the eternal life. Take hold of it. Seize it. Take hold of what God's called you to. It reminds me of what Paul said in Philippians, that I forget what lies behind. I'm forgetting what happened this year. I'm forgetting what lies behind, and I'm pressing on. I'm taking hold of. I'm seizing the promise that God's given to me. I I am being strong. I'm fortifying myself. I'm being strong and courageous, not allowing the distractions of yesterday to keep me from my promise. Are you that determined? Are you that determined to walk in to what God has called you to? It's a, it's a fight of faith. It's being able to see beyond the natural eye, seeing the unseen, seeing the promise of God. Paul calls it a good fight. It's an excellent or honorable fight. It's the fight of faith, the unseen reality. We can take courage in what is unseen. What we see in the natural, the Bible says is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Taking hold by faith the promise of God. And lastly, the fight that we're engaged in, that we're being strong and courageous about, requires that we are absolutely consecrated to the cause. You can't be half in, half out. 
You can't be passionate for God one Sunday, passionate for his promise one Sunday, and the next Sunday say, eh, well, maybe not. Life is rough. But, you know, I didn't think I, would, I was going to have to march around Jericho. I mean, come on, Pastor. We really have to march around this thing seven times? Do we really have to do this? Do we really have to give? Do we really have to engage in soul winning? Do we really need to do I mean, is that really how we're going to walk into the promise of God? Yeah. And it takes absolute consecration to it, absolute dedication to it. You know, I, I'm convinced that one of the greatest reasons we don't see revival in our generation as we've seen in times past is because we're okay living without it. We're okay with just being status quo. We're just, we're okay being, being content with our Sunday morning Christianity. We're, we're okay. It's comfortable. We're not challenged. There's, there's no real fight after all. We're not really being persecuted. So it's, it's okay. It's comfortable. Whatever can get me through the week, whatever can scratch my itch, whatever that is, and get me through the week and feel okay about myself and feel okay at the end of the week or, or, or help me feel better about my week at the end of the week. And that's, that's where we, and so we don't see the great awakening like we ought to because really it starts in the house of God. But if we are absolutely committed, absolutely consecrated to that cause, we'll settle at nothing less. We'll settle at nothing less than obtaining all that God has promised. In 2 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.1, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, be, be strengthened, be strong and courageous. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't shout me down when I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> I love what verse 4 says, 5 and 6, gives you three analogies here about absolute consecration. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Second analogy, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Thirdly, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Do you want to walk into the blessing, the promise of God? Three things right there. You're a soldier, not entangled in civilian pursuits. You're, uh, you're not of this world. You're called. You're a pilgrim passing through. There's a, there's a mission. There is a commission on your life that you ought to be living by. If you want to walk this year, I know, you're just shouting me down this morning. You want to see the blessing of the Lord on your life. You want to see the prosperity of God. Hallelujah. Then don't entangle yourself in civilian affairs. You have to stay faithful to what God's called you to. It's easy to throw in the towel. It's easy to give in to the flesh. But God's called you to live a higher life. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. We want the victory. But do we want to compete? We want the success, we want the prosperity, but are we willing to engage as the athlete engages in practice? I'm not a sports person, so I know that, I know you all know that. But, but Heather, you know, talks about her basketball days and how she practiced, you know, playing college basketball and all the practice and all the sports and all the things and all, even the diet, everything. Whole life is regimented by winning the game. Everything that, everything, uh, academics, 
the diet, the lifestyle, friends, everything, sleep, everything revolves around what? Winning the game. <laughs> when a marathon runner wants to win the marathon, they practice, they prepare. The triathlon, Mike and his triathlon, you've got to prepare and, and, and work and prepare the body and get ready so that your body has the endurance to win. In Christianity, we, we want to be comfortable and, and be okay without having endurance. This isn't a sprint. This is the, this is the marathon. This is what this, this running, the race that we've been called to is a long-term run. We've got to engage. If we want to be prosperous in this year, we have to engage as athletes with the race. And then I, I love this, verse 6, it's a hard-working farmer. The farmer knows that the crops are coming. The farmer knows that there's a harvest coming. But if the harvest, if the farmer doesn't steward the harvest, do you follow me? If the farmer, if the farmer wants all of his fields to produce a crop, then he has to steward all of his fields. If the farmer gets lazy and says, eh, I'm not so sure that I, I, I'm okay with half my fields having a harvest, but I don't want all, you know, I'm just going to be lazy. I'm just going to check. Then half of his fields will produce a crop. Why? Because he's going to steward those. He's going to take care of the ground. He's going to make sure that they have the nutrients that they need. The harvest is assured if the stewardship happens. There's seeds in the ground. Every one of those seeds is going to produce a harvest if he stewards the seeds. There's a harvest assured in your life. God's guaranteed victory for your life. God is guaranteed that you're going to walk in his promise. But he says you've got to steward what he's given you. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> I want to read this last verse from Galatians chapter 5 as we wrap up today. Worship him, y'all, come back. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, If we live by the Holy Spirit, we talk about the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Here's what it says. If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by, and this is out of the Amplified. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line our conduct controlled by the Spirit. We're engaged with the promise of heaven. We're standing like Joshua and the Israelites on the brink of an incredible promise. We've seen God do incredible things. If you think over the last five years, if we went around the room and talked about stories of all that we've watched God do, it's been awesome. And I thank God for that. But we are, that's just preparation to get us where we're at. If you think about the Israelites and the crossing of the Red Sea, I mean, watching the Red Sea part, watching God provide 
for the generations in the wilderness, watching the manna come down from. I mean, there's story after story of God's provision. And we can, like the Israelites, we can talk about the stories of provision. And I'm thankful for those. But we're on the brink of a promise greater than any of the things we've experienced. And if we're going to walk into those things, we have to be fully consecrated to those, that promise, what God has said. And what does that mean? It means that we have to keep in step with the Spirit of God. That word that's used there, to walk in the Spirit, it actually in the Greek means to command or to order, rank and file. It's a military term. And so you are under the command, rank and file, in order, you are under the command of the Holy Ghost. That when you keep in step, when what Paul is saying, as you keep in step, it means that you are being ordered by directed by the Holy Spirit. When you move, He's directing the step. He's directing where you go. He's directing how you speak, where you, where you go, how you interact with others. Stepping into the promise. Joshua, prepare. Get the people ready. Consecrate themselves. You're ready to cross over. When the priests step into the water, the water's going to part. It's the Holy Spirit who is directing. You see, I've said this before. I'll highlight it again here. If we're not careful, we can be promise-driven and not presence-driven. Standing at the brink of, of the Jordan, we can see the promised land in the distance, and, and we allow what we see in the future to direct our steps instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to direct our steps. It's great to see the promise ahead of us, and we need to have clear vision of that. Don't get me wrong. We need to see the promise, and we need to understand what God has spoken concerning our future and what He's called us to. We need to have clear direction. But if you're not careful, that promise can begin to dictate how you live. Let me give you an example. We're going to be a soul-winning church. We're going to see a harvest of souls. And so what the tendency could be is that that means in order to be evangelistic, we can't have too much passion in service or we can't be demonstrative and so we don't want to offend people with tongues or we don't want demonstrations of healings or miracles because that might offend people so in order to, to get to the promise quicker let's put that in the back room somewhere tame it down keep it calm don't get out of hand do you, do you follow the promise is dictating how we act that's not spirit led we allow the Holy Spirit to direct. We allow Him to direct our steps. That doesn't mean we have to be crazy. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. You know that. It's as simple as when you're out in the store and the Holy Spirit's nudging you. See that person over there? Why don't you go talk to them? What am I going to say? Hello, 
<laughs> My name is. It's real simple. When you're at work and someone approaches you and says, hey, can you be praying about this? And your ears perk up. You never asked me to pray for you. You know, that's what you're thinking. Stop and pray. Can we pray right now? Allowing the Holy Spirit to take advantage of that opportunity right in the moment. Being spirit directed. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. The weapons that you've been given are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. You're fighting an enemy that's already been defeated. You're stewarding the freedom that God's given to you. You are called to enlist others in this fight. There are people around you that are ready to engage. Some of you this year are activating in a new level of leadership that you've never done before in, in ministry. There are people around you who are ready to engage with you in what God's called you to. And if they're not, listen, and if you don't see them right now in the natural around you, they're outside the doors ready to come in. You just got to go find them. You got to go compel them to come in. Like Jesus, go find them. Say, hey, come follow. Come follow. Come after me. Come follow me. We're going to go fishing together. Here's how we want to close the service. If I, I want to, I want to pray over everybody's new year today, and what God's—I I feel like God's stirring words for people. This Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.